just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. Welcome back to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope all is going well with you. It's the early part of the week. Number of days left and a lot of things happening out there in this country. You know, I stepped outside today and I noticed something. It's that special little cold snap you get up here in Minnesota in October. I mean, it's still nice outside. It's like 60, maybe even 70 degrees at some point. But you can tell that summer is definitely over. Now, fall in Minnesota is beautiful. All the colors, the lakes, the uh, nice weather. It's, it's a great time in Minnesota. Maybe one of the best times in Minnesota. But for me, fall always seems like a Sunday evening. I mean, it's really nice. It's relaxing. It's comfortable. But you know what's coming. If it's a Sunday night, you're trying to relax, but you can't help but remember that tomorrow is Monday and you have to start this shit all over again. Go back to work. Do what you got to do and put in another five days until you can relax again. Well, it's the same with fall for me because I know what's next. (laughs) Of course, it's winter because this is Minnesota. And Minnesota winters can be a little rough. Even the nice ones might seem rough to other people. We're just used to it after a while. I mean, we're talking about feet of snow after it's all said and done. Sub-zero temperatures at times, minus 10, minus 20. I mean, who wants to go out in that shit? I remember one time I was at a, a comedy show. I don't remember who the comedian was. But uh, on that particular day, it was about 20 degrees below zero. That was the temp, not the wind chill. The wind chill was more like 30, 35 below. And this comedian came out onto the stage and looked out at the crowd kind of dismayed. And he simply said, who the fuck would want to live in a state where you can die by simply going outside? Everybody laughed, but everybody knew, yeah, it's kind of right. I mean, if it's 20 below outside and you go outside, you're not dressed properly or you stay out there too long. Yeah, you could succumb to that shit. And who would want to live there? I've never been a big fan of winter. I don't ski. I don't snowmobile. I don't ice fish. None of those things all through the winter. You know, I have my fun. We do some things. But I feel it's so oppressive to me because there's a lot of things I can't do that I enjoy doing because, well, there's fucking snow or it's too damn cold or you got to wear too many clothes. So I never look forward to winter. I usually get through it just fine. Last couple of winters here in Minnesota have been relatively light or comparatively light to some of the things we've seen. But it's still kind of annoying to me. So I'm not looking forward to winter. However, this winter might be a little different for my wife and I. 
Now, I've told you before, my wife was a teacher. She's retired. She might do some subbing here and there. Um, But she got her second dream job. (laughs) She retired from teaching, which was her first dream job. Then she got her second dream job, and that is working for an airline. Now, there was no great desire to make the extra money. She's fine. She really didn't need to do that. And actually, the work when she's working for an airline isn't something she dreamt about. What she dreamt about is working for an airline and getting the flight perks, be able to fly anywhere she wants, anytime she wants, for free. So she took that job, and she's enjoying it, actually. But uh, this winter because she and I can both fly free. We'll be taking off for three days here or four days there just to get out of this cold shit that we normally have to deal with. We don't want to go stay someplace in the south or out west or anything like that because we got kids and we got grandkids here. We don't want to be away from them for two months. So we're going to pop in and out when it's cold head down to Florida or head to Texas or head someplace warm, Puerto Rico, whatever it is, it doesn't matter, to be able to fly anywhere uh, that this airline airlines flies for free, uh, that makes things a lot easier. So she got her second dream job, and uh, I'm happy for her. I'm happy for me, for Christ's sake. She and I are going to get out of this cold weather now and again, and hopefully it'll make this winter more tolerable. All right, let's get to the business at hand. It seems like when I do this podcast or the TikToks, I end up talking about a lot of the same things. I hopefully give you some more insights instead of just the same shit over and over again. But sometimes I have to give that to you just to give you some reference as to what I'm talking about. Now, the most eminent problem in this country right now. Now, there's many problems in this country right now. But the most eminent problem right now is the effort to raise the debt ceiling. Now, I've talked about this before, and I've, you know, I've told you that this has been brought up maybe a hundred times since this debt ceiling was brought into existence. And every time it's been raised, because if it doesn't get raised, we have a catastrophic event in our economy. I mean, everything goes to shit. We'll have a recession. People lose tons of money. So you really have no choice but to raise the debt ceiling. But this time around, it's a little different. We've got Mitch McConnell, the minority leader in the Senate, who refuses to let any Republicans vote to raise the debt ceiling. Which would be fine because you can pass it with 51 votes with a simple majority, but... Not participating isn't quite enough for Mitch McConnell. Now, he's got to institute the filibuster, which means now that he need, they need 60 votes to raise the debt ceiling, meaning they need 10 Republican votes. And since he already told us no Republicans will be voting for raising the debt ceiling, that essentially blocks this whole freaking process. Now, this is a problem. Now, If the worst should happen and the debt ceiling isn't raised, they're saying right now that on October 18th, this country will be in default in their loans. And that will have 
catastrophic, literally catastrophic effects on this economy. Everybody will lose money. The stock market will go down. So your 401ks will diminish. There'll be 6 million people out of jobs. It's horrific. I mean, it's fucking crazy to think that we have to beg Mitch McConnell to get his people to vote for it because he raised the debt ceiling three times during Donald Trump's tenure. This is just a pissing contest. This is Mitch McConnell trying to own the Democrats. This is Mitch McConnell trying to punish the the Democrats, trying to bully them because he doesn't want them to pass this $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill. Now, again, this is all stuff I've talked about before, but I'm setting this up because we're getting ever so closer to this defaulting of the debt. Now, they're telling us it's October 18th, but we don't know for sure what date it is. Secretary of the Treasurer Janet Yellen is in the process of trying to figure that out. See, why they don't know what date it's going to default on is because it's all dependent on the United States government's cash flow. Apparently, the government will collect anywhere from $50 billion to $300 billion a day. Now, if they get a bunch of $50 billion collections, then it's going to be less time before this country defaults. If they get a bunch that are $300 billion, uh, then it's going to take longer, maybe to the 25th. Nonetheless, we're sitting on the edge, and the fact that it's uncertain is a little scary. These guys can play this little game of chicken, but if they're not careful, it'll end quicker than they expect, and even though they might be willing to save it at the last second, they may not know when that last second is. And unfortunately, if it occurs, then it's all going to impact us, not them, us. Why I think Mitch McConnell will probably cave on this situation is because it's going to impact people in Congress themselves. Mitch McConnell's worth $30 million. He's going to get hammered by this. He could lose half his wealth if this happens. So it's hard to imagine why you would push this to the limit. And I think the bottom line, the thing we realize now is that Mitch McConnell's a crazy fuck. And maybe he will, maybe he won't. Maybe he's a master negotiator and he'll just push it and push it and push it to the limit. Like I say, it's a game of chicken. And usually Mitch wins because the Democrats cave. Well, the Democrats can't cave because Mitch can't win, even if he sticks to his guns. Because he doesn't want the... the, uh, defaulting on the debt either. It's going to fuck him over. It's going to fuck his supporters over. It's going to make a lot of people mad. Now, some people have said, well, they'll just try to make it look like the Democrats' fault. No, they can't do that. It's pretty clear what's happening. And anybody with any brains knows what's happening. If this defaults, they're going to blame Mitch McConnell. Now, here's the weird thing. I don't even know if this is true. But somebody stated on one of the news shows that they've talked privately to some of the Republican senators. Now, remember, Mitch McConnell said no Republican senator will vote 
for raising the debt ceiling. The Democrats will have to do it themselves. And I don't know what he hopes to gain from that happening, but there are some possibilities, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But it's said that maybe as many as 45 of these Republican senators would vote to raise the debt ceiling because they're feeling the pressure too. They got to go home and talk to a bunch of folks that lost a shitload of money, their 401ks, and are out of jobs. They don't want to do that. But listen to this. This person who was talking about it knows some of the Republican senators, and they're told that maybe 45 of them would vote to raise the debt ceiling, but only if it was a secret ballot meaning they didn't have to attach their name to their vote. Well, that's not going to happen. I don't even think you can do that in the Senate. But here's what troubles me. When you elect a senator from your state, you're hoping for a leader. Now, these people are being told by some old dumb fuck senator from shithole Kentucky. Now, not... If there's people from Kentucky listening to this, I apologize. I don't mean to demean your state, but we do know there is a lot of problems in Kentucky and partly because of Mitch McConnell. There's a lot of federal money going to Kentucky. And it's because your governor and your senators aren't doing the job for you. People in Kentucky are fine people. It's a beautiful state. They should have better opportunities and be treated better. But Mitch McConnell and uh, the other political people that are running Kentucky are doing a fucking horrible job. But the thing is, if you hire a senator or elect a senator for your state, wherever that may be, and all they do is walk around and kiss kiss Mitch McConnell's ass and do whatever he tells them, you didn't elect a leader. You elected a follower, and a follower of somebody who is crazy and a stupid piece of shit. I shouldn't say stupid. He's not stupid. He certainly is fucking evil. But if I have a senator that I want representing me, I don't want some senator from Kentucky telling my guy what to do. Now, if the Republicans were sharp, they know... They know that Mitch McConnell's probably on his last term, on his last legs. He's the minority leader, not the majority leader. If I'm a Republican and I want to step up and step out and maybe be a leader in the future, they're going to vote on this thing tomorrow or today, depending on when you're listening to this. They're going to put it up for a vote. And I think the Democrats think it's going to fail. And hopefully that will cause some urgency and some concern by a lot of people. Then maybe something can get done. But if I'm a Republican senator and Mitch McConnell says, no, I don't want you to vote for it, knowing that it's going to cause immense problems, not only in your state, but in your country, I'm going to say, fuck it. I'm voting for it. We get 10 or 12 Republican senators to vote for it, the debt ceiling raised, what is Mitch McConnell going to do? Oh, he's going to whine and cry and try to punish them and whatever. But that senator, whoever you are, that senator or senators, did your job, did what you're supposed to do. You were serving the people who elected you, 
and not Mitch McConnell. But will that happen? Fuck no. Because we got a bunch of gutless followers in our Senate, particularly on the Republican side. Now, assuming Mitch McConnell doesn't give in, now the Democrats have to find a way to get it passed. Now, as I said, Mitch McConnell's not letting Republicans vote for it. That's tough enough. But then they throw in the filibuster, and now you have to have 60 votes to pass this goddamn thing. And that's not going to happen if Mitch McConnell gets what he wants. So there's some things they can do. I've heard this weird, crazy thing about um, Joe Biden being able to have uh, um, Janet Yellen, the Secretary of Treasury, uh, issue have printed an issue, what they call a trillion-dollar platinum coin, which immediately adds a trillion dollars to the budget. We save ourselves from ruin. And I don't know if they're going to do that. I don't know what they have to do to do that. But uh, we'll see. The more obvious choice is to do something with the filibuster. Now, as far as I'm concerned, the filibuster should be gone. It's outlived its uh, usefulness. It's done nothing but cause negativity, and it's done nothing but cause people in this country to get nothing done. Now, of course, the Republicans don't want to get rid of the filibuster, but the whole reason of getting rid of the filibuster is to stop this obstructionist uh, in the Republican Party. Our problem, of course, is Joe Manchin, Kristen Cinema, who claim they don't want to get rid of the filibuster. And moreover, we've got a president, Joe Biden, who shied away from talking about getting rid of the filibuster. Well, we're sitting on the, 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 the steps of destruction. Maybe now they'll take a look at it differently. They don't have to get rid of it completely. They can just carve out a niche to make it work, which is what they may do. Joe Biden even said said today that changing the filibuster is a real possibility. Now, that's a big step for Joe Biden. Unfortunately, Joe Biden doesn't make that choice. Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema will make that choice, assuming they vote for it, along with the rest of the Democrats. So now Joe Biden has to go talk to them about that, including the whole infrastructure thing, and it's kind of a mess. Now, Mitch McConnell and Joe Biden know each other pretty well. They've talked before. They've dealt before. And uh, Joe Biden says that he will be talking to Mitch McConnell. Whether that will help or not, I don't know. I honestly don't know if that'll help because I don't know what Mitch McConnell is doing. He's not asking for anything. He's not saying anything. He's just saying, nope. We're not going to help you. In fact, we're going to block you. Uh, So we'll see. There's part of me in my mind that says maybe Mitch McConnell is so arrogant and so confident that the Republicans will regain control in 2022 that he's trying to force the issue to make the Democrats do away with the filibuster so He thinks it'll benefit him when they finally get power. Unfortunately, that may not be the brightest move because they may not get power in 2022. In fact, I don't think they will, especially if they pass 
these two infrastructure bills. And now there are negotiations going on with Mansion and Cinema, and it looks like they're talking about numbers. I mean, they started out not wanting to do it at all. Now they're talking about a number somewhere between 1.5 million and 3.5 or 1.5 trillion and 3.5 trillion. They're talking like 2 or 2.2 trillion dollars. They can do that. They've got to get this passed to make things work for Joe Biden. This will make the Democrats look good and that's part of the reason why Mitch McConnell doesn't want it to pass. It's just all a pissing contest. And unfortunately, as I've said before, we hang in the balance. There's going to be a vote tomorrow. Joe Biden's going to talk to Mitch McConnell, and they're going to have to look at what's to be done with the filibuster. Because we have to do something with the filibuster with regards to the voting rights, too. That may be even more important. It's not as eminent as the raising of the debt ceiling. But it is just as problematic because without that voting rights bill, we're going to have a lot of problems in a lot of states, a lot of voter suppression, gerrymandering and all these types of things. And we must shut that down because the Republicans know that's the only way they can win in 2022 or any time in the future. They got to cheat. They got to game the system. So somehow we've got to stop them from gaming the system. The only way to do that is with the voter rights bill. And that isn't going to pass unless we get rid of the filibuster or carve something out to allow it to pass uh, through the filibuster. So we'll see what happens with that. All right, we'll uh, take a quick break here and we will be back shortly. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Well, you'll remember a short while back, the House Select Committee to investigate the January 6th insurrection sent out some subpoenas. And the first set of four subpoenas they sent out to are Steve Bannon, Mark Meadows, the former chief of staff under Donald Trump, Dan Scavino, the assistant chief of staff, and Cash Patel, who was working in the Defense Department. They were subpoenaed first and foremost to provide documentation that was asked for by Congress, and then ultimately to show up in Congress and testify. Now, I told you when they made these uh, subpoenas or they sent them out that things were going to happen quickly. I think they understand with 2022 and all this other stuff, they need to start acting fast. There is no time to be slow like we're used to seeing with government and legal issues. So they sent out those subpoenas, and it's all supposed to uh, be completed on this first set of four by mid-October. Now, this Thursday, these documents from these people that were subpoenaed are supposed to be delivered to Congress. So they can look into it, read them or whatever they need to do and try to glean a certain amount of evidence from them. 
Now, what's going to happen is Donald Trump is going to claim executive privilege. He's going to try to take it to court and try to delay it. And he might very well delay it. But the important thing to understand is his claim has no basis in the law. Because he's no longer president anymore, he doesn't have the right to ask for executive privilege. The only person that can do that is Joe Biden because, well, he's the fucking president. (laughs) Now, I don't know if Donald Trump knows this. His lawyers should, but they will still start the legal proceedings to try to hold it up, delay it or whatever. That's what these people do. They just try to delay things. But they aren't going to be able to delay it long because they have no basis for the lawsuit. It'll probably get thrown out before it even goes to trial. Because there's no way they can win. Uh, It's not Donald Trump's call. He can't do anything about it. So that may seem frustrating to you. That, oh, Donald Trump's just going to delay it one more time. And I get it. I get a little annoyed by it as well. But now, here's what you need to understand. That's this Thursday. Next Thursday... These people have to show up and testify. They have to show up in Congress to testify. Now, I will tell you one thing. The last thing I heard about this, Dan Scavino, the assistant to the chief of staff under Donald Trump, has not been served yet because they can't find the son of a bitch. He's either hiding out or someplace they don't know. He has not been served yet, and he needs to be served if he's to be expected to come to Congress to talk. I'm sure they'll find him. I'm sure they'll get it straight. But these other three will show up because they have to. Now, unlike the documents, this executive privilege doesn't really come into play. They absolutely have to show up in Congress. If they don't, the chair of the select committee, Benny Thompson, has said, if they don't show up, we will then refer it to the DOJ for criminal contempt of Congress. That is a felony. That is a legal problem for these people. They don't show up. They're going to the DOJ and they will be involved in a criminal trial. That should be enough motivation for them to get off their ass, come on in and do it. Now, when they do come in, they can try to uh, say it's an executive privilege. But as you know, that's not a thing here. It's just not a thing anymore because Donald Trump doesn't have the option to claim that. Or they might plead the fifth. But again, if they're just obstructing, obstructing this whole situation, again, there is going to be the possibility of it being referred to the DOJ for criminal contempt of Congress. So you have to wonder, are these people feel still feeling so strongly about Donald Trump that somehow he will save them, even though he saved nobody else? A lot of people thought he'd save them, but he didn't. Do you think they're going to risk going to a criminal trial and risk going to jail Or are they going to come and sit down and talk? Now, the next thing is, if they do come and sit down and talk, are they going to tell the truth? 
Well, if they don't tell the truth, then there'll be plenty of evidence to back up anything they're being asked. If they don't tell the truth, well, they got another legal problem and another issue with the Department of Justice. Perjury is a serious offense, and you can go to jail for that. So these four people that were subpoenaed that are expected to show up next week are kind of caught between a rock and a hard place. I think there's an excellent chance they'll show up. How it will go, I don't know. If it'll be on TV, I don't know. But it is going to be entertaining, and it's going to change a lot of things once these people are forced to talk, and beyond that, tell the truth. So we'll see what happens with that. I'm not sure what to think, but this could be a very compelling period of time. These people up there talking about the insurrection, they were deeply involved in the insurrection. Steve Bannon, of course, uh, wasn't a uh, member of the administration at that time, so he can't really even claim executive privilege. And that big dumb son of a bitch is a talker, and he thinks he's smarter than everybody else. So I think you'll see him talk, and he'll probably bury himself because all he does is lie. And that's going to be a problem when it comes to perjury in front of Congress. Now, Mark Meadows, Cash Patel, they find Dan Scavino. (laughs) I don't know what they'll do. But it's the first step. And people always tell me, when is something going to happen? Well, something's going to happen. It takes a while. And I know it's frustrating and annoying to have to wait. But at least in this circumstance, with the uh, House Select Committee, to investigate the insurrection. Things are going to start popping this week. We'll see what happens with the documents, and then next week we'll see who shows up, what they're willing to say, and how it shakes out at that point. It's going to be very interesting. And uh, if it's on TV, I would suggest you watch it, because it's going to become pretty much history. If you're old enough to remember Watergate, It's going to be at least that big, if not bigger. And it will be just the start of these kind of investigations and these kind of hearings in Congress. There's going to be a lot of these things. Because remember, these four were subpoenaed, but after them, there's lesser known people that were subpoenaed. There are 11 of them, and there will be more people subpoenaed, maybe even Trump family members, probably even Donald Trump himself. Let them go through the executive privilege thing with these four, because by the time Donald Trump shows up and he tries to exercise the executive privilege, it will already be found out to be not worthy of any lawsuit because it's not a thing. This thing with the House Select Committee is going to get interesting. A lot of stuff is going to be exposed. You're going to see people from Congress. You're going to see people from the Trump administration, maybe from the Trump family. But things are going to open up here very quickly, and it's going to get very ugly for anybody that follows Donald Trump. So we'll see what happens with that. Now, lastly, I wanted to talk about some other big event that was going on in front of Congress. You'll remember that on Sunday, a whistleblower who used to work with Facebook, a lady by the name of uh, Frances Hogan, testified in front of Congress today. And uh, it was a little disconcerting. 
when you start looking at Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp. Now, Francis Haugen said that Instagram and Facebook are dangerous to children and Facebook isn't going to change anything at all. Now, of course, Facebook and Zuckerberg come out and say, oh, no, we're very concerned about the safety. We're doing a lot of things. Well, the unfortunate thing for them is that Francis Hogan copied about 10,000 documents coming out of Facebook, the very things that they intended to do and why they intended to do them. So to cultivate this violence, this uh, conspiracy theories, the lies, the big lie, and do all that sort of thing, that turned into a lot of action for Facebook, which translates into money. Now, the interesting thing is that they're denying it. This woman is saying that they're, in fact, doing it, working against our country to make money. And she's got the documents to prove it. How long do you think Facebook is going to be able to dance around this? And then it was funny. I saw AOC do a TikTok or a, um, Instagram or something like that. And all she said was, if your business or your family counts on Facebook, Instagram, or WhatsApp to run your business or just general communications, and they get shut down all at once, doesn't it make you think? Should one company have ownership over all these apps, these ways of communicating? And then she suggests it's a monopoly. And then she suggests, shouldn't we break it up? Well, if you're old enough, you remember when they broke up the phone company for that very reason. And now we're dealing with the Internet. And to be perfectly honest with you, the Internet is far more a valuable and heavily used communication than the landline telephones were back when. She may be on to something, and it'll be interesting to see how Facebook and Instagram and Mark Zuckerberg all react to this sort of thing. I spent a lot of time on Facebook. I still do from time to time. But I'm a little disgusted by Facebook right now. They threw all patriotism out of the window. They didn't care about the country or whether it was going to be overthrown. They saw an opportunity to make money and they fucking took it. Now, if they're willing to do that, why would I even want to participate in an app like that? Facebook, Instagram, or even WhatsApp. I've used them all. But now I'm at a point in my life where I'm thinking, Jesus, I've always been saying, if you are a Trump fan, if you were part of the Trump administration, I don't like you. I will never like you again by virtue of the damage you did to this country and our forms of government. There's no way you can come back for that. And if that's how I feel about the individuals that support Donald Trump or otherwise, why should I not feel the same about Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp? If these people did everything they could to support Donald Trump and his crazy bullshit that he was trying to do simply because they can make money, clearly we can't trust them. Clearly they're not working for the benefit of this country 
Uh, even if they're not working for the benefit of the country, they're certainly working to the detriment of this country. And if that's who they are, why would any of us want to use them? Why would any of us want to help them make more money? Now, I don't know about everybody else. There's a lot of people that spend a lot of time on Facebook. I'm not saying pack up and go, but I'm telling you this right now. I'm going to limit as much time as I can from using Facebook or Instagram. I don't even use WhatsApp anymore, so that's not an issue. But that's something to think about. If you're not working for us, you're working against us. If you're putting money and profit ahead of the safety and security of this country, well, fuck you. I don't need you. I'm not going to help you make more money and do these kinds of things. See, you'll remember when we were talking about this before, I said there's really no legislation to hold over these uh, social media platforms' heads. But it will hit them hard uh, in PR. People are going to see them differently and going to question whether they even want to participate in Now, that said, people like AOC and some other folks do want to put together some legislation to get some reins on these social media platforms. We can't let this continue. We can't let them to make treasonous activities by helping out uh, conspiracy theorists, foreign entities, whoever, to hurt this country just so they can make more money. Clearly, they can't be trusted. And if we can't trust them, why do we want to be part of whatever it is they're offering? We don't. We can't. Now, of course, Mark Zuckerberg denies all this, as I've said. And uh, now Congress is looking at sending Mark Zuckerberg and his company, Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, subpoenas. Because you see... This woman, Frances Hogan, brought a lot of documentation proving her point that Facebook and Instagram are working against this country and hurting children. That's exactly what she said, hurting children. So now Mark Zuckerberg comes out and he says, well, we've done tons of studies and uh, that's not what it shows. These studies showed this and that and the other thing. Okay, well, now Congress is going to say, here's some subpoenas. Give us that research. Now, either it doesn't exist or they're lying about what it said. And now Congress is going to want to get that those documents. And they're going to have to provide them. They can't just say, no, we don't want to do that. They fucking have to do that. And if they dick around too much, then you're going to see legislation which puts a serious restrictions on what they can do when it has to do with harming this country. And Mark Zuckerberg, that weird fuck, he is uh, he's going to fight it. And yes, he has a lot of money, but he can't take on the government. If Ma Bell... If Ma Bell couldn't beat the government, Mark Zuckerberg can't beat the government. There's going to be restrictions put on them. They're probably going to break them up. And Mark Zuckerberg's master plan will never come to pass because he will be stopped from doing the things he's doing. 
As I said, I've used Facebook for many years. I like Facebook. Generally, it's pretty good. But here's where the problem occurs with Facebook, with Instagram, and even TikTok. We've got these people that are fans of Donald Trump. They band together, they weaponize themselves, and they go after people like me or some of the other people that speak against Donald Trump. They attack them, and then they try to get their videos taken down and ultimately banned from the app. Now, I've said this on a TikTok, and I don't think anybody heard it from TikTok, and if they did, they didn't care. But what TikTok has to understand, Facebook is now learning, and so is Instagram. If you allow this to continue where bands of Trumplicans come and attack normal people who just don't happen to agree with what they agree with, and they get them kicked out. I saw tons and tons of big, big creators on TikTok getting banned. Now, these guys had millions of followers, hundreds of thousands of followers. They were creating all kinds of content. They were creating all kinds of movement on the app like these Trumplifucks were on Facebook. So now these Trumplicans come into TikTok and they ban all these other people that are bringing in millions of views. And all they've got to show for it, meaning TikTok, is bringing in these Trumplifucks. Now, if you ever look at one of these Trumplican trolls, you'll take a look at their their profile page. They've got no followers or two followers. They've got no content. So now, essentially, what TikTok or Facebook is going to do is they are switching out their most productive creators and replacing them with shitty-ass trolls that don't do anything, don't follow anybody, don't have anybody following them, and create no content. So you can see where this is going to go. This is going to be the downfall of any app that allows that to happen. All the people that are being productive for you, you didn't give a shit. You kicked them out and you replaced them with some dumb fuck that's got two followers and no content. If that's all you have on your app, well, then you have a shitty app and it's going to end up being MySpace or something worse very quickly. In the TikTok, I said, look, I've been in business for myself many years. You don't piss off your best clients and kick them out and keep the shitty ones and expect to last very long. It's not that I'm any kind of genius. That's just business fucking 101. And if you don't get it, you're going to pay the price ultimately. Now, I haven't seen any great changes on TikTok. I haven't seen any great changes on Facebook in spite of the fact that they say they are making those changes. So these apps are basically committing suicide. Now, I don't know if it's because they approve or trying to support these conspiracy theorists, these trolls, the Trumplicans, or they're just too lazy to look into it. Because, you see, when you're talking about Facebook, I've heard a lot of people say, I got banned for 30 days, I got banned for 30 days. Now, I said some pretty crazy shit on Facebook about how much I hate Donald Trump and the Republicans. Never got banned. Not once. I never got banned. I haven't gotten banned on TikTok either. And it's partially because when those people come knocking on my door, I immediately block them. Not because I'm afraid to talk to them. 
but because they're a risk. And that risk is that they don't like something I say if I engage with them. Now they can say I was bullying them, and now they can bring all their Trumplefuck friends and mess with my account. I've seen much bigger accounts than mine be messed with and banned because they allowed these people in their posts and decided to engage with them. I took the different route. I'm not going to engage with them. The status of my account on TikTok is more important to me than arguing back and forth with people who won't listen to you. They don't listen to facts. You can't win an argue with, argument with them because they're not logical. They aren't critical thinkers, and they just can't be reached. So why waste your time reaching them? This is happening on Facebook. It's more prevalent on Facebook, apparently, because it's gotten deeper than that. We've got the Russians. We've got the Chinese. We've got other countries infiltrating Facebook spreading lies to try to change the temperature or the tone of the country. And you know what? It fucking worked. It's fucking working. Now, once Facebook understands that, they need to fix it. Otherwise, they're going to have a lot of people who have been good clients of theirs who are going to walk away from it. They don't want to be part of some fucking troll app. Nobody does. So we'll see what happens with Facebook, but mark my words on this. When things come down with Facebook, you're going to see some of the other social networking platforms changing things real quick because they don't want to be the next Facebook because this could ultimately ruin Facebook, a multi-billion dollar company. Mark Zuckerberg's worth, what, $125 billion dollars? That gets screwed up and gets taken down or becomes not popular anymore. That's a lot of money out the window. So if you're Facebook or Instagram or even TikTok for that matter, now's the time to look at it and change some fucking things up. Now this is really why I enjoy doing the podcast. I don't have to deal with those trolls. I don't have to deal with people taking me down. I guess... Uh, the uh, the hosting site that I have, Anchor.fm, could take me down if I got outrageous and said some crazy things, but I don't take it to that extent. I'm expressing my opinion, talking about facts, and talking about people, the Republicans, the Trumplicans, that are working against this country. If that's What's that old song? If that's wrong, I don't want to be right. And that's how I feel about it. I feel much safer on the podcast because I don't have a bunch of idiots fucking trolling me or some other entity telling me what I can and can't do. And of course, that's within reason. If I got crazy, this uh, web hosting site would be, or app hosting site or whatever it is, would probably have something to say about it. But I respect that they have rules, and I try to follow those rules to the best of my ability. I might push them to the limit, but I won't cross them because I have to respect they have a private company and they have rules, and I can either follow those rules or get the fuck off. And if I don't get the fuck off, they'll kick me the fuck off. But it's much safer with the podcast here, the Rational Boomer podcast, because I don't have to deal with so many things like I have to deal with TikTok. 
I mean, I literally have to go through every post and every comment and block every troll I come across. There's fewer every time now because I've got a lot of them. But I'm going to have to keep doing it because it just takes one to come in, get mad, call his friends in, and fuck with your whole account. Not going to let that happen. Anyway, we're going long again, as we always do. We'll wrap things up here. Remember, if you have questions, comments, complaints, whatever, you can send me an email at rationalboomer at gmail.com or go to anchor.fm, look for Rational Boomer Podcast, and you can leave a voicemail message. I'm always anxious to hear from you. I want to hear your input, so by all means, don't hesitate to reach out and contact me. We'll talk to you again very soon. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.